Welcome back to Selling Your Business with David King. I'm David King. I'm the author of Selling Your Business, Begin with the End in Mind. It's available on Amazon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast and rate it as highly as possible. Today, we're joined with Katie Wagner, founder of KWSM Digital Marketing. Welcome, Katie. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. K- KWSM Digital Marketing, you founded this 13 years ago, and you've already grown it. You have offices in San Diego, Orange County, Las Vegas, and Atlanta. That is tremendous. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been a yeah. good good 13 years. Yeah. I started my career in New York and I knew some Wagners in New York. I knew one man in New York, legendary story about this guy. And he had gone on a job interview, looked down at his watch during the interview and said, excuse me, I've got to go down to the street and plug the meter, as they say in New York, put some coins at the parking meter. He came back to his interview and they told him, that's it. No, the interview's over. Thank you for coming. So he learned a lesson from this and never wore a watch again the whole rest of his life. So, <laughs> wow. Well, that is extreme, but that's that, one way to solve the problem. That is a good way. That is a way to address it. But I'm figuring, Katie, you'll probably have some better tips for people out there, <laughs> uh, a better way to find a solution um, to the, the issues they encounter with the business. So let's start off. Tell us about yourself, your career, what you've done to date. Yeah, I started my career in TV news. I was a television news anchor for 15 years um, and I worked all over. I started in national public radio and then uh, worked at local news stations and then up to the network level. And I retired from that job at, in 2009. And the reason I retired, David, is because social media had just started getting big in the last few years of my career. And it changed the way people interacted with the news. Nobody was going home to watch the five o'clock news anymore because they can get headlines mm-hmm. on Facebook and Twitter and see videos yeah. on YouTube. And so the powers that be at my station, which was CNN at the time, said, uh, get out there and learn how to use these channels and get our audience back. And the more I learned about the channels, the more I realized that um, the audience wasn't coming back in the same way, that, that communication had changed in a lot of ways. And that business owners were going to need to use these channels to communicate with their audiences, um, just like we were in the news business. And so I retired and um, started the agency less than a year later and really thought I would just be a consultant and help business owners understand this sort of new media. And uh, I accidentally grew an agency. Here we are 13 years later. Now, did you were you working for CNN in Atlanta or another? I was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is, was Atlanta the first office of KWSM? No, Orange County, California was the first office of KWSM. Okay. So I moved here in 20, uh, 2009 when I retired and then started the agency in 2010 in California. And then we had clients all over the country. And because of the um, immediate nature of digital, you know, it's round the clock, it's live. And so I decided we needed a presence in the Eastern time zone to serve clients there. And I'd lived in Atlanta. I grew up there, actually. So I was comfortable with the city and 
Um, my parents lived there, so I had a place to stay. And so we opened our second office there. And then Vegas was number three and San Diego was number four. Got it. Got it. Got it. So you came out to California and started a whole new life. That was a brave move. God bless you. I did. Yeah. And I thought it was like outer space when I got here. Right? It was very, <laughs> yeah. very different. But um, It is I a little it. bit like outer space in some yeah. ways. <laughs> yeah, it is. So tell us about the services you provide today to businesses, please. Sure. KWSM is a full-service digital marketing agency, and we specialize in lead generation. So that's creating digital infrastructure that reliably provides leads and sales for our clients. And most of the time, that's a function of growing a business, right? People want more leads coming in, you know, growing their services and their client list. Um, but often... Uh, we work a lot in the M&A space where um, business owners are looking to transition or sell the business. And I think what happens a lot of times is that sales and marketing function depends on an owner or a rainmaker who's really doing the business development, bringing in a lot of those leads. And that's not uh, the way to have the most value in your business for the new owner. And so we work a lot um, in businesses leading up to a sale, creating that digital infrastructure where we take the leads and sales off of the back of one person at Rainmaker and create a digital system that provides them on an ongoing, consistent basis. And that actually makes the business more valuable in the sale for the next owner. And that's so true. And, you know, business owners work, uh, you know, that they work an incredible amount. The, the the burdens of being a business owner and the responsibilities, the breadth of what they have to do to succeed. And they often are the, the primary driver of, of sales growth. And then when they're looking to sell, they, they've just gone from having one overwhelming job to having another and their, their focus on the sale process and preparing for that, getting your financials ready, getting your ducks in a row, they can take their eye off the ball in terms of continuing to operate the business as if they're still going to be there for another five years or so. And you don't know that the first, you know, buyer is going to follow through and, you know, may take a couple of trips down the runway to, to fly and to get a deal done. And you don't ever want it to come into a sale, get the final value based on kind of an empty cupboard. You you want that sales pipe to continue. So it is a definitely a great value for businesses being sold to, to get services like yours and continue to show they're investing in their, in their sales pipe. So, What's your sweet spot? What what size of companies do you work with? Is there any industry that you favor over others? Yeah. So usually we work with sort of lower middle market businesses in the five to a hundred million dollar range. Certainly we've had clients that are less revenue or more revenue than that, but but that's where the pocket is usually. Um, and half of our clients tend to be B2B and half of them are B2C. We work with about 200 clients a year and it, it does break down roughly half and half. But we don't specialize in an industry. You know, we okay. don't have a niche. We work across all different types of businesses. And, and that's very intentional because in digital and especially in lead gen, what worked last week isn't going to work next week. It changes very frequently and you have to keep up with things. And I find that if we're working across a lot of different industries, my team is more agile, they're more innovative, and they're really mm -hmm. exposed to a lot of different tactics that we can pull across and use in different industries. So 
So we've structured it that way intentionally to be able to be to be better for our clients. Are there kind of standard techniques other than, you know, SEO and, and, you know, Google ads and the other things that people typically do, the kind of the bread and butter? Is there another, you know, element to your digital marketing that's a little bit more uh, above the, the standard, you know, vocabulary? Yeah, um, most lead gen strategies have a, a large SEO component and a large yeah. website component because driving traffic isn't enough. You need to make sure the website will will convert. Um, and so it's it's web refreshes, it's SEO, and then it's things like um, if you're B two B, maybe LinkedIn or LinkedIn ads. It can be Google ads or pay per click. Um, it can be organic content, uh, usually through blogs or white papers, downloadable lead magnets, that sort of thing. Um, even regular social media like Facebook and Instagram for consumer businesses, there are a lot of these um, tactics that can play into it. But then a lot of lead nurturing, if you're looking at a lead gen campaign, happens through retargeting ads, where once somebody hits the website and leaves, now we can show them ads now that they're familiar with the business. Um, or they enter an email drip campaign and we can reach out and have one-on-one conversations with them through email. Um, there are a lot of different tactics depending on this type of business, the target audience, the industry, um, but some combo of those things goes into it. And then I think the part that people forget is, especially when you're in an M&A situation, you're leading towards an exit, you also have to do the internal marketing. You know, how are you keeping in touch with your current clients? Because sometimes retention of those clients is just as important as attracting new ones. Mm -hmm. And so is there a separate email communication that goes out regularly to your internal clients? Are you um, creating content just for them to show them that you're at the top of the game in your industry? Um, there's a lot of considerations for that internal piece as well. And even down to communicating with your staff, you know, recruiting and retention. That plays into um, a lead gen strategy that is designed to grow a business. You know, how are we retaining uh, our talent and, and attracting new top talent? And you know, David, sometimes people forget that that's actually lead gen in and of itself. You mm -hmm. can use those same tactics we just talked about to attract candidates instead of clients and have a separate lead gen strategy going to have a pipeline for, for hiring, which, you know, all of this makes the business a lot more stable. And so as the owner is looking for transferable value and looking to build that, um, having all of those systems in place really makes it a lot safer bet for the new owner and a lot more consistency where they know they can continue these systems, even if mm -hmm. the owner or, or some of the staff leaves in the sale. If you're working with a client who's looking towards an exit strategy mm -hmm. and uh, how far in advance of the M&A transaction, ideally, at a minimum, would you have to really implement something that's going to generate some results for them, help them with their sale price? Yeah. So it's important to know that digital is a long-term strategy, mm -hmm. right? It's not something yes. you do for 30 or 60 days and it has an impact. Nothing, Nothing's going to happen that quickly. So I would say minimum is about 18 months. Um, usually we'll get involved in the three to five years down to 18 months range, but longer runway is better. The more time we have to get traction, the more we can really dial in a lead gen strategy that's predictable. So you know how many leads we have and how to scale that program if you need more leads. And um, that takes a lot of data and iteration to dial that in. So the longer we have to sort of test, iterate, 
and adjust, the more effective it is. It doesn't mean that if somebody is six months from exit, they can't do things that will improve the health of their business in the short term, driving more traffic, you know, becoming more visible as a brand online. Um, but to really have predictable, solid lead gen, you would need a little bit longer. Well, one good thing about what you do is compared to other professional services to prepare for a sale is that there's nothing unusual about enhancing your digital marketing. You could do that at, at the day one of a business. It's <laughs> not something that, oh, my God, we must be on the market. <laughs> These people are around trying to generate more leads on the web. So um, that don't you find that people are... It's pretty easy to bring you in and, and not have so much fear that people are going to think the business is for sale. And they can also work you in with their own team and not worry that everybody, all their employees is going to worry about the future of the company. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, most businesses should have a legion strategy in place from day one. It's just that that falls down on the priority list sometimes. And if things are yeah. going well, we forget to focus on it. Um, but yes, there's nothing abnormal about growing the business or improving the bottom line. And Legion does that. Um, and I, I think really the way to exit successfully is to have a better business. And this is a key element of having a better business, whether you're five months from exit or five years, you know, mm -hmm. or 50 years, who knows? But um, I, I think it's something everybody should be looking at. We just sometimes forget to optimize the systems in our business until we are looking at the future and saying, what do I need this to give back to me? Then we sort of, you know, call to attention and get all our ducks in a row. And and it's a shame that we're not looking at them much sooner than that because we could have been more profitable the whole time. Right. So in terms of, Katie, lead generation and also, say, you know, employee interest uh, or, you know, candidate interest yeah. is... Do people have kind of a mix of both or are they typically more lead generation, generate more sales for me? We've got enough people may maybe have a little bit more, you know, traditional approach to that and not really think the web is necessarily going to do it for them. Or do you get kind of an equal amount of, of each? What would you say? You know, over the past decade or so, it's definitely been um, most people think of lead gen as growing the business, right? Mm -hmm. Getting uh, clients in the door. But in this hiring environment, David, right. where, you know, employees have a hard time right now retaining top talent or bringing talent from another place to your company, um, we're seeing more and more of those candidate-focused legion campaigns, which is called employer branding. And it's really how do you position your company as a top employer and, and talk about the experience of working there in a way that can generate more qualified candidates and a larger pool of candidates. So I'd say in the past year, we're doing that work a lot more often than we used to. Uh, and I think that'll continue. I think it's going to be a lot harder to hire as we move forward here. That seems to be the, the universal consensus out there with this workforce um, that we've got right now, that the, their staying power is not long. Um, the work ethic is not the same thing that, that uh, we're accustomed to from years before. So you just have to, to work within that and, and try to cull through, uh, get more resumes and be able to get the best that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, some of that is just articulating your value proposition, right? Why are you a right. better employer than others? Just like you would market your business to clients. Mm -hmm. So what mistakes 
do businesses typically make? What do you find when you get out there um, and, and assess what they've done to date? What, what, what mistakes are the most common that businesses make? I think the biggest mistake is, is that they don't pay enough attention to sales and marketing. You know, usually business is going well and the owner's doing a good job and they have revenue and money in the mm-hmm. bank and they're profitable. And in those cases, when things are rosy, it's very hard to have the discipline to say, but what could we do to improve it? You know, but what should we be doing to look at these systems? And often we work with business owners who are now looking at an exit in a few years down the road, and they haven't paid as much attention to separating themselves from that sales and marketing mechanism in the business as they should have. And so we're really, we're really in the process of extricating the business owner and having people buy from the company, not from a person, right? Which I think in a small business is, is a real thing. They buy because they have a relationship or they trust the owner or the owner has expertise in some way. And really what you want to do is shift to the company has expertise and the company, the team and the, the brand has that power and not just a single person. And I think people don't look at that soon enough, even when they're starting their businesses. How do you start it from the very beginning to be a company and not a person? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a process of, of untangling that and really setting it up so that we extract the owner. Um, and then also, I think they, they don't pay enough attention to how are we going to have consistency in these systems over years? You know, if you put one employee in charge of the sales and marketing function, what happens if that employee leaves either during a sale or, or just regularly? They We just talked about people don't have staying power. You know, if they leave, mm-hmm. does your marketing system tank, you know, or can, are there enough people on board that understand how to run that program that you can maintain it? Because the thing about marketing is it takes consistency and frequency over time to get results. And when you have a pause or take a dip, you lose a lot of that traction and it's starting over. So what infrastructure do you have in place to keep things consistent? And I'm a little biased in this category, but often that is outsourcing to an outside partner, you know, mm-hmm. who can provide that level of consistency and not depending on an in-house person to to stay or to share knowledge with others. Um, and I think especially when you're doing a transition, having that outsource vendor who can provide consistency from previous ownership to new ownership is a real value proposition and, and can really help make that that smoother. And, and overall, I've said this to you, I believe that marketing is as important to the function of a business as operational excellence and financial and all of the yeah. other pillars we look at, but it's not always thought that way uh, until it's not going well, <laughs> right? And you have to triage it. Right. Well, those, those are universal truths you just identified there that if, if, Unless things are really going badly, often business owners don't put their head up and say, what can I do better about this? It's only when they're falling down and feeling pain that they say, well, wait a minute, what do I need to do? And we should always be asking ourselves, what could I do to make things better? And it is a, a it's an achievement. It's not, it's, it doesn't diminish the owner. It's a milestone that they want to hit to, to stop being an operator of the business and be an owner of the business. Then they can take a more high level strategic view. And then they've got something that they can sell. Um, when, when I meet people that say they own a business or, you know, get a new client, I'm like, okay, we, you know, 
how would you sell this someday? And if they haven't thought of how they would sell this, they don't really have a business. They've got a job. So I'd imagine you'd rather have a business um, and be able to have an exit someday than something where you're just going to, you know, lock the doors or die behind your desk. That's not the American dream right there. Right. Well, and let's be honest, it's way too much work to own and run a business to just have it be a job, right? You need to have an asset that you can leverage at the end. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what advice would you have for a business that's, say, five years out from an exit, from an M&A transaction, and let's say they're going to have a strategic buyer, someone who's really going to come in really kick the tires, really put them through a pretty good scrub of due diligence and and check everything. Uh, What would you tell them today? Go ahead and get your ducks in a row as far as digital marketing. Beef this up, get some, you know, fill the cupboard. Yeah, I think if you're talking about a strategic buyer, the most important thing in that sale is the value of your brand. Uh-huh. And the the value of what you bring to the table without your involvement necessarily. You know, what are your what does your business have that they can tack onto their business to expand it? And and you need to have predictable growth in that case. You know, you need to say, here's the trajectory of this unit you're gonna you're gonna buy and, and incorporate. Um, and so you need to start asking those hard questions a lot sooner. Five years out is not too soon to be thinking about how to build that value in your business. Uh-huh. And so if you gather your leadership team and say, you know, where do our sales or leads come from? Where are we getting clients? And if that is coming down to a salesperson or an owner relationship, you know, maybe it's time to start looking at mechanisms that don't rely on a single human or a rainmaker in that business to, to distribute where those leads and that business is coming from. You know, tactically, you need to be able to tell how much traffic's coming to my website. Where are they coming from? You know, if we have marketing channels like email or LinkedIn or ads, SEO in place, which of those are working and which need to be optimized more? You know, can we track that leads come from organic search or links come, leads come from our LinkedIn posts? And if not, you may be spending time and resources in the wrong places. It would be worth it to do an audit and figure out over the past year, six months, 12 months, even 18 months, what what has brought in business? Um, and I think just looking at that sort of infrastructure, how do we develop business? Are there seasonal changes in our business that lead to more leads or less leads? And how do we need to capitalize on that? Um, I think all of those things can be improved over time. But often I meet business owners that don't know the answers to those questions. And they say, well, we're, we get leads, you know, we're very popular, but they don't know what that can be attributed to. And I think you can't improve something or even keep it consistent unless you really have those metrics in place and you're tracking where those things are coming from. Well, Katie, I definitely want to have you on again someday because I know in two or three years when we talk again about digital marketing, everything will be different. <laughs> it is so rapidly evolving yes. um, in terms of the tools that are out there and, and where people go on the web. And, and now what, we all go to chat GPT and, yes. and get that to write our term papers for us again. Yes. So, and I can say that you 
obviously know this stuff. You've been able to grow your firm so quickly with huge success. So you're obviously bringing a lot of value to your clients. Um, but I know you and I know that you're also a joy to know and and, and must be a joy to work with. Um, so I, people are definitely wise to choose your firm uh, and enhance their sales, make themselves wealthy and enjoy working with you in the meantime. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. And, yeah. and you're right. Things change fast. So we'll keep in touch. Yes, we absolutely will. And you've definitely shared loads of wisdom with us and good wisdom. I will keep my watch on for the rest of the day and maybe even wear it again tomorrow. So I'll, I'll check back in with maybe they might be distant relatives of yours in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll send them watches for Christmas. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, wonderful to have you on. Thanks to the audience for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Selling Your Business with David King. Mm -hmm.